The Winnow, a podcast about dining in the South and beyond. I'm Robert Moss, the author of Barbecue, the History of an American Institution. I'm Hannah Raskin, food editor at The Post and Courier. Well, today we're doing the back-to-business edition of The Winnow because we're getting back to business. Uh, we were been gone for the holidays, had a little, little break there. Um, we, we, we did have one podcast that aired here in 2019, but as you probably could pick up if you listened to it, it was actually recorded before <laughs> well, we took our, our holiday break. And uh, so we, we had a little time off. I mostly... Cooked for two weeks straight, which was which was uh, actually fun for me. That's what I like to do. And and I know you did some traveling. I, I, I actually did. stayed here in Charleston the whole time, but you you hit the road. I did. Um, I had a couple days. Um, as I was just telling Robert, uh, nobody answers their phone during the holidays, <laughs> so there's really no need to be in the newsroom. Um, so it is, you know, obviously this is a podcast about the South. What is it? You know, dining in the South. So I thought I would go check out some of the Southern cities I hadn't visited in a bit. So I went to Asheville, Nashville, Atlanta. Stopped over in Chattanooga for one evening, uh, just to do some eating. And uh, so. Any conclusions or any observations I, from your time? I, you know, I, I, I wish I wish that there had been something to, like, bring them all together yeah. or that had been organic <laughs> in some way. That was not the case. But um, I, I had some good food. I went to Katie Button's new bagel place. Uh, um, I went to Folk in Nashville, which is from the Rolf and Daughters chef. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really a standout. Um, I got to Tiny Lou's in Atlanta, which is Steve Palmer's um, oh, latest I, 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 restaurant. I, 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 That's the that old one? Hotel Claremont. Or oh, Claremont, yeah, Claremont. yeah. Um, which there's been a lot of buzz about. So that was fun. It's um, it's French. Currently, everything in Atlanta is French. Oh, so French is is taking Atlanta? French is, yeah. French Mm. is, if there's any theme, it's probably French. We had a little... I don't want to say a rash. That makes it a little, a little outbreak <laughs> of rash. French food here. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure what French for rash is. Uh, we had a little, a little flurry of French uh, cuisine here in Charleston for a while, a bunch of French restaurants opening up and all that. Yep. Um, I think that's settled down. I don't know that there's any recent French arrivals, are there? Um, so Atlanta's got the uh, Francophile bug. Exactly. Uh, Okay. Yep. What about uh, how's Nashville? I mean, does it Nashville at one point was really just taking off and exploding as like the next great Southern food city? Yeah, they're definitely. I mean, there's definitely still building all yep. the time. You know, I couldn't get to all the places <laughs> that had been recommended to me because I think they're probably building them while I was there. I think that's one city that doesn't take holiday week off. Like there is really a lot going on. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Are they you know at the pinnacle of the Southern food scene right now? I don't know that I got that idea either. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad I went. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's always interesting yeah, to, yeah. to see because each city has its own little identity and right. its own trends that are going on that are separate. Even even though we're all in the South, mm-hmm. uh, dining in Atlanta is very different uh, in my mind than dining in Charleston or right. dining in, in Nashville. Um, you know, getting you know, and getting back to business. I mean, reading up a little bit on some of the things going on around town. Of course, this is January, so I expect we'll soon have the laundry list of restaurants closing down. So do um, I, and I, I haven't heard any yet. Mm-hmm. I think they, they got a little ahead of themselves. I think we had so many closings <laughs> earlier Maybe in the year. Right. They, 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 they closed early. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. usually uh, get, we wait to, to get to the, the holiday the season. Time, and right? this, yep. The only one I know about was the Granary uh, in Mount Pleasant. Yep, the had Granary a, was uh, closest doors, I think New Year's Right Eve. before New Year's, after New yeah, Year's. Yeah, I think right. New Year's was uh, their last yep. day of service. Yep. Um, great restaurant over in, in, in Mount Pleasant. Uh, the, the chef there, Brandon Flory, uh, founding chef, parted ways with the, the owners. So, and then that, I think they stuck it out for like another year or so. Year but or so. Yeah. yeah. So that, yeah, that's the only one that I can think of as yeah. well that has Shocking. happened. So we'll see. The month's not over yet. <laughs> yeah, right, right, um, right. But usually, yeah, people are at this point, if they're going to And do you cut, think that's yeah. because there's also a grand tradition, as you know now, of people, they stop drinking in January, right? There's a the whole dry... 
January. So do you think yeah. that's what's happening? Is restaurant owners get sober and they're like, suddenly they see the light more. closing <laughs> up. What was <laughs> I thinking? There's no <laughs> way this these, is going to work. these books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's what usually happens. No, I think you're right. I think it may actually be the case that we just got a head start on it in 20, so. 2018. <laughs> yeah. um, we did have a, a, a few other uh, notable ones. Uh, one I thought was interesting, you did a piece on, on this, John Ando, who used to be the chef and owner at Lana downtown. Yep. He had he had been one of those chefs who had sort of gotten out of the crazy life. Right. He went over to Mount Pleasant and was working uh, at a fast casual Greek place called uh, Kairos Greek, which he helped found and get off the ground. And I think at the time he you know he, he was tired of the late nights and wanted a regular. Oh, I mean, and he job. was I mean he was proselytizing yeah. for get out of the fine dining business. You know, this is the time where we start to hear they bring out all the old clips of people saying, "Oh no, I will never run for president." Yes. It was that very <laughs> same thing. He was like, "I will never, never darken the." Door of a fine dining restaurant again uh, um, until, until now. now, which is exciting. Like yeah. I'm really happy. Um, if if you're going to go back on your word, not that he promised anything, but if you're going to change, make a decision, um, this is a good one for all of us. Yeah. I, I'm excited for and what so he's, he's heading cook. out to the Atlantic Room, right? Atlantic Room uh, at Kiowa. Kiowa. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So back into the fine dining game and mm-hmm. be doing, uh, I'll be curious to see what, what kind of stuff he did. I loved his, his cooking. Alana was great. Yeah. So, uh, and I think it's a great model. I mean, just to get recharged, to take some yep. time off. Kairos is a great place. And it's kind of fast, casual Greek place. Um, well, hopefully he got, so he got some sleep. He got, he got, he got some, some sleep hours and, and, you know, and we all got sadiki yep. sauce. So there we it go. worked out. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Fred Scott, who is the founder of The Wreck, The Wreck of the Richard and Charlene, uh, a Shim Creek restaurant here in, in over actually in Mountain Pleasant, uh, died at the age of 87. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he had only been retired for two years. He he ran the wreck, managed the wreck right up until he was 85 years old. Right. Um, and then I, I think he turned it over or sold it to a former, a longtime employee and, right. and their uh, her family uh, are running, keeping it running today. I thought it was funny that the wreck is all, for, if you haven't been to the wreck, I, I say you got to go. Oh, it's, absolutely. It's, I, I, I love it. It's a Truly a love it or hate it kind of place. People, no one's like, it's okay. Everybody <laughs> thinks it's right. great or they think it's the worst thing ever. Um, and, and certainly Fred Scott was adamant that it's my way or the highway. Exactly. You know, uh, no substitutions, no kids menu. For a long time, didn't take credit cards. No and, rare, and there's no sign, so no yeah, one no finds sign. it. You can't mm-hmm. find it. No, right. yep. you just got to ask. <laughs> gotta the first time lost. I went, yep. I had to ask you somebody to ask. Uh, uh, you know, on the street. Yep. <laughs> Where they they go down that road. Yep. Because way down by all the way of the ship boats dock on, on, on Shim Creek. Um, I thought it was funny that when he did uh, sell it to his former employee, I think one of the terms was you cannot put AC No in. air conditioning. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, no air is, conditioning, no real plates. Yep. I mean, You dine on a screened-in porch, yep. basically, yep. on paper plates. Yep. And, uh, but it's really, really good, fresh fried seafood. And I, I love it. I have a yeah. very soft spot in my heart for the wreck. So uh, so, so, uh, rest in peace, Fred Scott. He yeah, brought a lot of good seafood to uh to, to charles i believe they they planned to stay in business i said it wasn't mm-hmm. you know he wasn't he wasn't running it now anyhow but his um his widow is still here in the area and apparently they had quite a wake for him at the wreck this past <laughs> weekend yeah okay well i uh thought you know, i spent my holidays instead of traveling around i actually stayed stayed in town which is good at two weeks uh, just to Spend time with my with not only my family but all my extended family. We had waves and waves of family come come through, and I cook for everybody, which is what I, which is what I like to do. So we had a lot of, of big dinners and. Um, 
hearkening back to when we had Pablo Johnson uh, on the the show a few a few weeks ago, uh, my one of my favorite gifts for Christmas I got a rice cooker. Oh, <laughs> good for you! My wife We've had actually been listening to, to the window. <laughs> guess what showed up under the tree? Amazing! Yes, and so I got to use that while. How uh, was it? it it was, it's excellent. It's, I, I, it's like, why have I waited so long to get a rice cooker? It's one of those things that was, you know. Just it's like, life changing. Yeah. Well, I've only, I've only used it once so far. Um, Is it big, small? It's, it's about, it's about the size of a crock pot. It's mm-hmm. a good size. I think it does eight cups of rice, co- yep. cooked rice. So more than I'll ever, you know, you rarely need eight cups of rice. I, I sure, I think I mentioned this when Pablo was on and I was extolling the glories of rice cookers that I had pushed one on my mother. And so she had texted me not long ago saying that she finally figured out how to use it. She had never taken the strainer basket out of it. Oh. I guess her <laughs> She was like, this isn't working. And so now I'm getting texts almost every day of rice puddings and rice pilaf. She's so excited. Well, while I about it, because, you know, it, it it's easy to use. It cooks mm-hmm. rice in a snap. But I, the best thing is we, we had a bunch of people over is uh, it holds the rice very well. That's right. Which was always yep. the hard part cooking the stove is yep. if you can time it just right so your rice is done when you're ready to sit down to eat, it's great. But otherwise, it turns to this gummy mess. Right, and, right, know. right. And it's great. I, th- I, I really don't work for the rice skills. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great in the morning because you can make oatmeal and you can just kind of leave it for a minute while you get ready. You come back and it's not going to like boil over Let's the see. way it does on the stove. Yeah, that was handy. So we, I, yeah. and there's always a problem time to do it rice. I have to really time it and everything Everything would go wrong. Yeah. And so this was great. I just threw it in there when I was roughly 20 I'm minutes so happy out. For you. And uh, <laughs> it held just fine. So, so awesome. that's thanks for the tip there yeah. uh, on the, the rice cooker. And so we had some rice uh, along with lots of other things. The other thing I learned is for – not learned, but just sort of recognized is that I think in the future I want to shift most of my guests to come right after Christmas Day, um, you know, after the holiday. Because if you go to the grocery store on the 26th of December, all the roasts are oh. just super cheap. Because oh, that makes sense. Because they stock up on all these big sure. beef roasts and pork roasts and all this kind of stuff. And of course, they, what they don't sell for Christmas, oh. you know, is is cheap. So we, we wow. had like a massive like standing rib roast that it was del- absolutely delicious. And I can't remember what I paid something. I mean, yeah. I paid less for that big giant meal uh, for like nine people than I would have paid if just two of us went out to, to eat it. That's at a great. So um, so yeah, my little tip there: go shopping the day after Christmas and yep. buy all those roasts. Uh, I got a big old bone-in pork roast with all. It was it was really good too. So we did, we did a lot of roast. One of the food shopping experiences I had in in Asheville, I stopped by the new location for Spice Walla, which is Miran Orani's mm-hmm. yes, uh, spice a, company. Who's been a guest uh, before, here. so you can go back to that mm-hmm. episode. And I believe they're continuing to grind and sell more and more spices. And it's a cool little space. Um, that would be. I wish we had one of those here. Oh yeah. my goodness! I mean, it just it looks terrific. They have a small retail area, and if you call ahead, you can get a tour. Which mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't even know it was going to be there, so I did not. But I, I bet they would teach you tons about spices. Um, and it was great. So I, you know, I, I bought back a couple of those because I think, as I've said before, you know, my thing is I'll cook all day and then freeze mm-hmm. things. I don't know. So I did that. Um, and I use these spices and they are just fantastic. Well, that's something I know about, about good spices versus yeah. the ones you get at the supermarket. They're so much more fragrant, yeah. so much better. Um, the problem is the, also the you can't buy. It's hard to buy them in small quantities, which That's is right. what you need if you're not, you know, certain things. I'll go through like you know, 
cumin and chili powder and stuff like that. But other things, I won't use that often. And then they just sort of sit in the shelf for I I did buy the chili powder pack. That was kind of my thing. So it's that chipotle chili pepper. And I made this tortilla soup and it is so good. So I think like, especially now in like soups and stews season, when you can't necessarily rely on just like the freshness of produce to make your dish, um, spices like these are fantastic. Well, that was, uh, oh, wow. Uh, now, now I want to go get, go get some, uh, some, some good fresh spices. Right. Well, uh, I'm sure your wife is listening to this one, too. Yeah, so, so Spice so Walla. Spice walla. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, I was reading uh, the, the, uh, the New York Times had a piece by Alison Roman, uh, or Roman, however she says it, um, a food writer for the New York Times. And she, the subtitle was Alison Roman wants you to spend less time in the kitchen and more time at the table, mm-hmm. which is sort of the reverse of my philosophy because I like spice. I like spending time in, in the kitchen. Obviously, if you're someone who doesn't like to cook, it's a chore. You don't enjoy it. But I'll And I suppose it also time. depends on your kitchen. I mean, if you have one of those like little galley kitchens yep. where no one can get in there with you, it's not as it's, – but if you are entertaining, it's nice when everyone kind of gathers. And I, I totally like it. And, and yep. people are going to gather in the kitchen whether you want them to or not. Exactly. Um, I'm fortunate. The, the house we, we, we in, we're, we're in now, the people who were there before us had remodeled the kitchen and they had – they did it the right way, which is they put in like this big island with it has bar stools, and so it's literally it's it sort of feels a little bit like the husk, uh-huh. uh, not, not husk, uh, the, the McCrady's right. uh, restaurant here where you have the people who gather around <laughs> and I'm, I can cook and yeah. throw stuff out, you know, put out cheese and sausage plates and stuff like that, and um, I, and that made me think I don't want people I want people to spend more time in the kitchen, and I, one of the th- good things is to ha- I like having people gather there. You know, you don't feel like you're over here, right, right, right. And everybody else is over there. Well, so I think what Allison was saying in the story, right? She's saying like if you buy these like quality things yeah. that you don't have to put any work into it, you can just untin your seafood and you can put the olives here and there. And it's funny because she she says, and this part is true, I suppose, that you save time. But in the end, or maybe in the end, in the immediate uh, future. I don't see how you're saving any money because you have to have these beautiful plates. It only works if you have like this gorgeous setting that you can put them out in. You know, if you put them out like they do at the rack on a paper plate, everyone's like, what's the sardine? Like it it doesn't work. It's all, it really is the Instagram approach to eating, right? To put out like 47 different beautiful (laughs) dishes. So I like to eat that way. I I don't know if I, I'm like you. I don't know if I like to entertain that way. I like when everyone gathers, you get your beer and wine or whatever, and people are sitting around, you have a little stuff to munch on. Um, you know, one problem is that everyone wants to be helpful. And so they're always like, is there anything I can do? And I'm usually mm-hmm. like, I realize what I need to do is find things that they can do. Like we had green beans. So I had my, my mother snapping green beans and she was happy to do it. And now yeah. she was in the kitchen. And so it's, so my next time around, I'm going to do it a little bit, shift it a little bit the week, the, you know, the day or two after Christmas when we get a cheap roast. And I want to come up with stuff so that people can all be around the kitchen mm-hmm. doing things and, and cooking together. So spend more time in the kitchen. Right. Uh, and then, and then I think, the right, when you're at the table, it is nice to settle. The thing is, if you have 48 different things, you yeah. know, it's like, oh, can you pass the capers? Or, you know, it's like, <laughs> you just want to just sit. Yeah, that's sit. actually something yeah. we realize as a, a, a parent, you realize that you're – our children, we, we, die, we, we sit um, – we, we usually don't pass – things around uh, <laughs> right. uh, we, we just sort of sit, I usually put things on the plate Plated. and serve it yeah. to them when we eat family dinners um, or if we do we, we sort of sit at the small table where everybody can just reach and, and grab it. Right. Um, so we're at the bit larger dining room table. And I realized, my children really don't understand passing bowls because they would all just pile up like a train wreck right, right, right. where the kids are. We kept like Bobby passed the right. potatoes. Right. But I don't want my chefs. Yes, but people beyond you <laughs> right. might want them. Yeah. So I, I realized that yeah. I still have some uh, some social training right. to do for my, my poor children. Right. <laughs>
So yeah, more time in the kitchen, less time at the table. That's my, uh, that's my motto. Okay. So, um, one place that I stopped along my route, which is not as glitzy or glamorous as the big cities mm -hmm. that I mentioned, and y'all tell me, maybe you've been here before. I had not been amazingly was to the Bush's bean factory. I have not. I had never <laughs> been. And so they, in fact, do not allow you into the factory. But this is the birthplace of Bush's Where Beans. Where is the Bush's Beans factory? It is uh, in East Tennessee. It is in a small, small town. <laughs> Dandridge, Tennessee. No. It's Chestnut Hill. Chestnut Hill. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dandridge they, they may be the mailing address. Yeah. But <laughs> the, uh, yeah the Chestnut Hill is the actual town. Right. So, okay. So Bush's is in Chestnut Hill. Uh, in East Tennessee. Um, and they've built this great big visitor center <laughs> and it's fantastic. Um, so you get to, I mean, and, and so, although you don't get to go into the factory, you do get to see all the brand new products they're working mm -hmm. on. And it, it did occur to me going through, like, these are great times to be in the bean <laughs> business, I would imagine. <laughs> I just can't imagine all the influences are converging. So you have people becoming vegetarian and you have increased Latin immigration yeah. and you have people have no money anymore. And it's like, <laughs> what a great day to be a bean man. Now, uh, and so they're making all this new stuff. And so they are now making, you know, the chickpea snacks and the new black bean dips that they haven't had before. It's very cool. Yeah, I guess, I'll, yeah, tell me a little bit, because I'm thinking about that. I know Bush's beans brand. I just think mm -hmm. of the canned beans that you you, you see in the, in the aisle. Yeah. So they obviously do cooked beans. They're just sort of ready to eat. What else? Do, do they do a lot of like more like prepared foods? Well, that's things? what Is they're that? getting into. So mm -hmm. they're getting into more of the black bean chips and the, and the dips that go with it. They're getting into, I mean, yeah, it, it seemed to be a lot of snacky kind of stuff mm -hmm. that they're moving into, but every kind of canned bean. So now you can get, you know, not just the different kind of beans, but the different kind of seasonings and so on. The most interesting thing I learned, and I learned a lot. They have, they did not hold back on information, at least about the Bushes. I take that back. I was going to say they don't hold back on information about the Bushes family, but at least two points in the history of the Bushes family, there are these kind of, sort of mysterious deaths of the leaders of the company uh, within. Ooh, it, it, I'm intrigued. It, now. So it's like am the I. Yeah. <laughs> and they just sort of skip over the They're like, oh, it's so strange. In 48, the, the president died, and two weeks later, so did the treasurer. It was something along mm. those lines. So, <laughs> so there are. And moving on. There are some things I don't know about Bush's beans, uh, and I think that's how they want it. But what they do say that I thought the most interesting fact, I think I put this on Twitter, but um, that they, when the pork and beans, the way they make it, so that's how they made their name was sort of ah, on yes, pork and beans. Ah, yes, good old pork and beans. Right. And they have surveyed pork and bean buyers, and 98% of their buyers say, I am so glad there was a strip of bacon in my bean can. And they have also asked them what they do with it, and 96% of them throw it out. <laughs> and it must just be such a point of frustration for the Bushers people that they are buying a piece of bacon that was like, whoop. How it goes? They don't want anything to do with it. They don't even put it in the pot. <laughs> just, I, I eat that bacon. I eat anything that's bacon's like that. Bacon's fine yeah, to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. But I thought that was amazing. And I just can't imagine how many like sessions they've gone over, like trying to cost. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, yeah, how can, we, can we cut the bacon strip down? Strip of bacon. You, 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 yeah, three quarters of a strip. You know? Yep, but it's yeah. a signature for them. So. Well, I, I've never been to the Bush's Bean Factory. You've got to go. Um, I did meet the Duke, the Bush's Bean's dog. This is a huge part of the museum, and I didn't even know about the dog. Well, it's, the dog. For some you get reason, your picture taken with the fake dog. We were a family trip years ago. Was uh, I think it was Hershey, uh, Hershey Park in yeah. Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And for some reason, 
the Duke, the, the, the bean dog was there. The bean dog was yeah. at Hershey's Park? And so my kids, that, I don't know why, but they petted the dog. Well, it's and, very on you know. message because that's what they try and make it seem like he's like the guy that gets in trouble, yeah. you know, like the bean dog at the chocolate park. So <laughs> that's great. So, that's yeah, but, so uh, the, to my knowledge, my kids don't eat a lot of beans, but they, they love the dog. And then so they, they got to pet the dog. <laughs> I love beans. Cool. Yeah, I've said this before. I, I do love too. beans. Do you? East Tennessee is interesting because you would you, there's all sorts of little things up along that I-75 corridor, like the home of Little Debbie Snack Cakes right. Is, is right up there. Yep. Um, uh, Benton's Bacon, of course, is, right. is is off off of there, which is not an international food. But there's all sorts of stuff that's made oh, in East yeah. Tennessee that you wouldn't even It's uh, a really realize. interesting yeah. area, for sure. So the beans, uh, do they – just ship them in they from do. all over the, yep, the, yep, the, the yep, country? Yep. To of course, this is, you know, it is one of the best areas for bean growing. And the bean diversity in East Tennessee and Western North Carolina is pretty oh, much a long tradition of bean growing and eating in the Appalachians, but not black beans and kidney beans. No, 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 no. Right. Or Boston baked beans or everything. That's all. That's all different. So that's exactly right. They are shipped in kind of from all over the place and have been for a long time. I can't remember now. They started not with beans. I think they started with tomatoes, which would also make sense. But yeah, once they got into the bean business, they started collecting them. I just envision like railroad cars full of beans. That's right. Rolling in and trucks full of cans of beans rolling out. Yep. Yep. One of the great things at the visitor center is you can find out your weight in beans. (laughs) (laughs) So the the British have stone and we can do beans. beans. Uh, Yeah. It's really fun. Except it makes you feel like you weigh a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Is it in the thousands? Tens of thousands, thousands, I think. Tens of thousands at least. Yep. I weigh 25,000 beans. <laughs> I'll have to use that one yep. going forward. Well, I'm, I'm jealous. That sounds like I, I, it was a great stop. My, my wife's family used to live up in uh, that that part of the country, uh, up in Cleveland, Tennessee. They re- recently moved to Florida, so no longer there. But so I haven't been back in a while. But boy, next time I'm up in that area, I'll you'll have to stop. And they have a, they have a cafe there. So when you you know get if your you're hungry for beans, you can get your beans. Um, and they have a few other things too. But they do do you know the pintos and cornbread, which are traditional in that area, obviously. Um, and they are delicious. Sounds, sounds like a, a yeah. good tip for anybody in, in the East, head, traveling through Eastern Tennessee. For this edition of The Winnow, we recorded today's episode in the spicy podcasting studios at the Post and Courier Building in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. If you enjoy listening to The Winnow, help other listeners find us too. Just go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you access your podcasts and like us or leave a rating. The The Winnow is a production of The Post and Courier and Palmetto New Media. Our producer today was the business-like J.M. Ray Parker. Our theme music is by the Bluestone Ramblers. Until next time, I'm Robert Moss. And I'm Hannah Raskin. Now get out there and eat. 